Welcome. This is a super important podcast about hair. Question mark. Featuring Ryan Teal and Stephen Adams as your co-hosts. Let's begin. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode. Uh, this week we're on location in Minneapolis, St. Paul um, with a really dear friend of mine that I've known for, God, what was it, like 15 years? I, I think so, roughly, roughly yeah. Um, we both uh, tried out together at the Platform Artist Society, or Platform Artist Club, yep. um, for Paul Mitchell uh, way back in the day in San Diego. And uh, this is a really uh, dear friend of mine, Stephen uh, Adams from Moxie Hair. Yeah, so we're going to play chess while uh, interviewing. Um, Stephen, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your history and, and, you know, like what you do now? What I do now, I'm playing chess. <laughs> um, I, what, what, I do all kinds of stuff right now. I mean, I'm running, you know, two, two salons. I have about 40 employees. Mm-hmm. I also run a nonprofit organization called the Beauty Certified Education Association, which is why you're here. Uh-huh. And where we provide continu- continuing ed- education for um, hairdressers in uh, the state of Minnesota. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so that's what I've been up to doing, just kind of like a lot of stuff. And then yeah. I also like hit the road once in a while and play with whoever wants to have me come and do some hair with them. And you do a lot of stuff with uh, Nicarojo. I do a lot of stuff with Nicarojo. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of stuff with, so I'll also like I'll be teaching class coming up in June for American Board Certified Hair Color. Okay, okay, color. Okay, that's cool. So yeah, I'm actually teaching a, cl- a color class there. So not only do I do a lot of cutting, I do a lot of stuff with color too. Okay, okay. And so, what color line are you using there, do you know? Um, there just no, it doesn't whatever. matter. Whatever color line. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And is that the one in uh, Long Beach? Um, it's right out at LAX. Okay, right yeah. at the airport. It's yeah, like okay. two across the street from the airport. So cool. you worked with uh, you worked with Paul Mitchell way back when when uh, I did as well. Yeah. Um, tell me about your history, like getting up to this point. Oh, you know, I got super lucky. I, got, I this is the last thing I ever thought I'd ever do. Never thought I'd be a hairdresser by any means. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I went to college, dropped out, and ended up just working in a coffee shop, slinging coffee back in the eighties, and there weren't very many of them, and. Every morning there was this dude who would come in and just like, come in, get coffee. He was always in a hurry, always dressed nice. He always drove his Mercedes up. And I'm just like, he always ordered the same thing. Mm. Double espresso. Always paid with a $5 bill. Every single day. So I'd always have his change ready and have his espresso ready and make sure everything's ready. And all of a sudden one day he's just like stops and he's like, I need you to work for me. And I was like, how much are you going to pay me? And he was like, you know, I'll pay you more than you're making here. I'm like, cool. I'm going to totally do that. What? Um, then I was like, wait, what do you do? Yeah. I'm like, what What do you do? I mean, you could be, a, all I know, some like Greek gangster. Yeah. all yeah, I know. Yeah. And he was like, no, 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 I own a hair salon down the street. And I started laughing. I've never even been in a hair salon in my entire life at this point. Um, so I was just like, what the heck? Can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. What the hell am I going to do in a hair salon? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, what, what the hell am I going to do in a hair salon? I don't know anything about beauty or hair or anything. He's like, don't even worry about it. All you have to do, he's like, here's what I recommend. When you're done with work, come hang out in the salon. If you like it, cool. If you don't, cool. I'm like, all right, I can do that. So I went down after work and like the next day and just like hung out and 
like, all right, I'm here. And he's like, all right, just hang, grab people's jackets when they come in, greet them, say hi, hang up their jackets, get them coffee, tea, take care of them. Just like, you're just like the concierge. You're just going to like help them out. I'm like, all right, I can do that. That's easy. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the lady working behind the desk and she was like busy with phone calls and writing appointments. And so I was like, can I help you with it? Because I'm not doing anything at the moment. She's like, yeah, yeah, totally. Here's what you do. And so I'm like doing that. By the end of the day, I was like already booking appointments and hanging up jackets and pretty much working the front desk. I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I can handle this. You're going to pay me more? This is kind of more exciting than working at a coffee shop. I think I'll do it. So I took the job. Um, after about a year of working behind the desk and like doing all that, I was watching everybody doing hair, you know, talking to everybody. I was getting my hair cut once in a while, get my hair colored. And I'm watching what they're doing. I'm like, dude, I can totally do this. Uh-huh. This is so easy. And they make so much money. I know what they're making. I knew the, because I was learning the business from the backside. And I'm like, I got this. I can totally do hair. And so, um, Harry's like, well, all right, let's do it. So I started, started with like apprenticing him and working with him. And then we, he helped me get into beauty school. I went to beauty school, Eric of Norway, beauty school in Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, interesting. Okay. <clears throat> so I got to work, have, you know, learn from Eric. Oh, wow. Wow. So That's he was there yeah. and this other guy, Rusty, okay. who now I think part of VC okay. school and, so I got at this really weird time, and it was before um, Eric of Norway became an Aveda, you know, Aveda school mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So they were just bringing that stuff in, and there was this famous guy in Minneapolis, Horst Reckelbacher, who's becoming big in the '80s, and I was like, you know, I. So it was kind of cool. I sat there, you know, and went to beauty school, apprenticed at the same time, still worked behind the desk. Still managed the desk, kept getting pulled in and out of in and out of school. I kind of got a free for all, do whatever I wanted to do at school because Eric understood. You know, they kind of knew that I was Harry's guy and that, and he was one of the biggest salons in, in Milwaukee. And so I kind of got into this really cool cool area, really awesome education. And then the education that we brought up, we had um, brought up like David Recuglia, um, Lawrence um, Lawrence Haggerty. And those guys from art and science in Chicago, because mm-hmm. they knew um, Harry. And so they would always come up. And so I ended up meeting all these really cool people just as they were, like, getting their career going. And I was just getting my career going. And I was like, yeah, this is so awesome. But there was a point after about three years that I was just like, you know, I've reached my peak. Because the way Harry had his pricing, pricing was really simple. It's like my price, my employee's price and every year or two we maybe raise it a dollar or two mm-hmm. there was like no growth and I was stuck and I was like well I want more I want more I want more because I was so getting into it and he couldn't give me that opportunity and so we chatted a bunch and I was like dude here's the thing I'm gonna move because I knew I couldn't get a job anywhere else mm-hmm. you know it's like I gotta go somewhere so um when I was coming up here for Aveda training uh, I was recruited by horse salons to come up and um, work here. So that's how I ended up in Minneapolis. Okay. So I worked for Horst and Friends, and I was so excited because it was like, I get to work with Horst Rockelbacher. He's like the coolest guy at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was my whole focus, and it's like David Wagner wasn't even owning the salons at that time. He was running. He was, he was the president of 
Horst salons. So I had to do my interview with Hor- with David. Never met Horst until our very first staff meeting, which was maybe a month or so into like working, and came in and he's like, I'm selling the salons. Either to you, all you guys, all, all my employees, or I'm going to sell them to David Wagner, who's the president. And so the whole company, my first month of being there, barely knowing what I was doing, I was as an assistant, and he was just like, you got to do, you know, you got to make a choice. Do you want it? the employees to own it or David Wagner? And the vote ended up, David Wagner owned it, ended up buying, buying Horst, and then eventually now becomes Jude. Okay. So I worked there for about nine years, and I grew up, you know, started as an apprentice, moved into some education, moved on to their um, creative team, and I got just lucky. I mean, I was always ended up being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. 90% of the time, because I was too stupid to say no, someone asked me to do something, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do it. And so I'd just run out and go do things, or I'd just show up, and I think, you know... I just started doing that. Um, a bunch of the people from Aveda were like, hey, we're going to start this brand new program. It's called Pure Professionals. And I'm like, yeah, I'll check that out. So I went to check that out and ended up um, becoming one of the first Pure Professionals with uh, Ted Gibson, um, Dan- Daniel Reckobacher, this other guy, Brian Horst, um, who is uh, Catherine Hammernick. Okay. And it's like all we there was just like a small small group. There's maybe like ten or twelve people, and we just started from there, and then it started growing. And I did that for probably I want to say six years. Started in kind of just kind of started working with education in Aveda and started doing stuff with them. And then um, when I opened up my own salon in 1999. Um, because this is, Minneapolis was such a, a Veda-driven town, I decided it was just best to, like, not do that, but it was like, okay, I gotta change, so I gotta do something, I gotta change something up, so I ended up changing it up, and, um, first brought in Schwarzkopf, Orbe back when they had like the yeah, dish soap. Yeah, Remember the dish soaps yeah, and yeah. stuff? I love that dish soap bottle. That was a yeah, bottle. it was like brilliant and it was so much fun. And oh, is it my move? Yeah, it's been your move. Oh for a while. shit! You you should have told me something. <laughs> no, I was, I was loving your I was loving your your story. No, so we <laughs> where was I at? I don't remember. Um, you brought in. Um, oh yeah, so we brought in Orbe, those products. Yeah, and I ended up on you know doing stuff with. Uh, I ended up doing stuff with. Paul Mitchell purely by accident again it was just kind of like we they were here for the ISSE show because mm-hmm. Minneapolis used to actually have one and it was really cool because they were here they were here I didn't actually see them mm-hmm. my business partner and I were looking for new product lines it was our second year and we were having a second year anniversary party you mm-hmm. know it's like you have your first salon you think you're so cool and you're just like yeah we're having this party and it's going to be awesome and so we invited every distributor and manufacturer to our party. Somehow, somebody told the Paul Mitchell artistic team that we were a Paul Mitchell salon. And so the whole artistic team showed up because they were like, oh, yeah, they're a Paul Mitchell salon. And it was so strange because I was there. We were hanging out. We had this, all these artists and all these people here and some music playing. 
all of a sudden this whole group of people all dressed in black um, come marching in and I greet them and say hi and talk to them and all of a sudden it's like Robert Cromings comes up to me and he puts his arm around me he's like that's a really nice song where's your Paul Mitchell <laughs> and I was like why the hell would I care for Paul Mitchell I don't even know who he is at this time you know I was like why the, why the hell would I carry it everybody does and he said one thing that was really smart and he looked at me and he's like well if everybody carries it does that mean people are buying it and I was like well yeah and he's like well why wouldn't you sell it if people are buying it and I was like well I'll check it out I'm like Send, have them send me some product. So they sent us some product, and we ended up becoming a Paul Mitchell. We were one of the first um, Paul Mitchell focus salons in the okay. country, and it, I just that was something I learned from Avea. It's like it's better to like have one focus mm-hmm. because it's easier to train your staff. And it's easier to like keep consistency and just to have like that one one line one one line one focus mm-hmm. and just keep it as simple as that. So that's kind of where we ended up. Um, that's how I ended up with Paul Mitchell. And then from there, I don't know what the heck happened. My life just was a whirlwind. I and how long were you over, with Paul Mitchell? Uh, about 13 years. Okay. Okay, yeah. wow, for some time. And you were, you were a platform artist uh, with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. well, I wasn't when I met you because I was trying out for the platform artist team and totally didn't make it. And neither of us actually <laughs> made it, which is pretty it's funny. Like, <laughs> But I was lucky enough to get you know invited back the next year, and I think the only reason they invited me back is because I just kept showing up. Uh-huh. I'm just like, all right, I'm just I just showed up at every show. But I've always kind of done that. It's like anywhere I I would just show up at any trade show or any educational event and just like find a way to sneak backstage and just do something because I want to be where the excitement is. I don't want to just like sit in the audience. I want to like be involved and I actually learn by doing stuff with my hands sure. versus like watching. Sure. So you said 13 years. Um, what is it, uh, if you want to talk about it, what is it that on, on kind of was the thing that inspired you to end up leaving the company? And, and what I'm really going for is not necessarily, you know, like what's bad with Paul Mitchell, but maybe what's just bad with, like, like what was it? You know? Yeah. You know, <laughs> do you want me to yeah, say, yeah, all right, because yeah. I can... I, I, do I get to rant? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yes! I get to be Ryan Teal. <laughs> Let me put on my Ryan Teal face. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Something like that? Yeah, yeah. No. Um, Why am I so angry, right? <laughs> Why am I angry? <laughs> I am angry. No. Uh, you know, it wasn't... It was interesting. It was an interesting experience because what happened was I worked with them for so long. I had no problem with the product line, no problem with um, the color, any of this, any any part of Paul Mitchell as a company. Mm-hmm. It was they were, you know, it was like as a product and it was perfect. It was great. It was doing. It was selling. Um, we were starting to get bored with the education. Sure. But what happened was like probably about two years before. Before um, I stopped, two years before we stopped having it in the salon, I stopped educating for them. And I needed to spend more time, be home with my mm. my kids. My son was at that fragile, you know, like teenage, beginning teenage years. I needed to be around. So I stopped educating. And in stopping educating, I kind of felt as if my salons 
felt the repercussions of it. Um, you know, it's like we seem to have lost, suddenly lost our connection mm-hmm. to, to like some of the education and to some of the things that were going on. And, you know, like our connection to Paul Mitchell, I didn't have that daily connection with anymore. So you kind of like, you, they, it's, you know, it's like when you're, when you live with your, when you live with your partner and you're like hanging out all the time, but then they move somewhere else, you don't talk as often. Yeah. And your relationship kind of spreads apart. So that was part of it. But that wasn't even the killer of it. Well, the, the worst part of it, and the reason that we chose to really tie, you know, end ties with it, had to do more with distribution. Um, I don't always like, I, I don't like being forced to purchase something through one distributor. I, I really want to be able to, we were really fortunate when we first started working with Paul Mitchell because we had two distributors in this area. And all we have dividing the borders were, well, I had, was a river. On this side of the river, the east side of the river, we had one distributor. And on this side, we had another distributor. And it was awesome because I could, like, compete. Mm-hmm. And it gave me some leverage. Whoever had the best service, who would give me the best price, who would throw us the most bones of education... And it was really awesome. Mm-hmm. This edu- this distributor then ended up getting bought out by a monster. The big distributor took over and took over both uh-huh. both distributors, and our service dropped. Um, qual- quality of service dropped, and we kind of got. For- I really felt we we got forgotten between a combination of the service from the distributor and then not having really solid follow through. From the, any other, from other manufacturers, and so what happened was, I decided to have an experiment. I was chatting with um, Nick, who I've known for probably eighteen years. Nick Arojo. Nick Arojo. Yeah. So it was kind of like, I always talked to him at trade shows. It kind of made a, you know, it's like when I ran around. If I wasn't working at Paul Mitchell, I would always be watching what they were doing. So it was kind of like, I knew what they were doing. I knew what they were about, and they had everything that I was looking for. And so I had a conversation with Nick one day, and we were just, like, chatting about it. And he's like, well, why don't you carry my product line? I'm like, you know what? Why don't I? So I'm like, all right. So we brought it in. And what we ended up doing was moving one, you know, part of the other product line out. Just stop buying it. Put his in. And the sad thing is our salesperson, who even came in the salon, didn't even notice for nine months. Wow. Nobody knew that we stopped. For over nine months, nobody knew that we stopped carrying Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell. So you got the same service not carrying it as you did carrying it. Exactly. Wow. Wow. That was like... And so we broke it down so that we just carried, you know... Some of the more, you know, like the tea tree and mm-hmm. the alpui. And we're like, all right, well, we'll keep those because they're good sellers. But eventually we're just like, you know, I just don't want to deal. So, 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 so how long ago was it when you, when you got rid of it? But completely about, well, we just got rid of, um, just got rid of the color mm-hmm. um, in, uh, I want to say it was January or February. Okay. Okay, so it's still... So it's, it's still relatively yeah, a new thing. Yeah, it's you know, it's okay, still a okay. relatively new thing. Uh-huh. And we've just been slowly dwindling it down. 
And it's a lot of it's because you want to get you want to be re-inspired. Yeah. I think change is good. Think- um, just because you leave, you move out of your your parents' house doesn't mean that you quit loving your parents either. Yeah. Um, and so it's actually kind of an interesting it's kind of an interesting like fact that like you didn't really leave Paul Mitchell because of the company, you left it because of the distribution. And it seems like across the board there is a big problem with distribution that there's that there's um, and I never thought of it from the standpoint of of. Uh, you really couldn't compete. Like there was no, they were, they were the only game in town. Yeah, there's a, when you, and it's interesting to me. I think that having this is my rant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> my rant is this: <laughs> when a manufacturer dictates that only one distributor in certain areas can carry a product, they're creating a monopoly, mm-hmm. and they're creating bad customer service. And I understand why distributors want that exclusivity, but. I really don't think it's important. I think customer service is more important than exclusivity. And I, I, I don't know. It's kind of like I, when you bring in a salon, people will ask me this, and I brought in a roach, and they're like, oh, my God, did you ask for exclusivity? Why would I want exclusivity? I could care less that I'm the only salon in Minnesota to carry. No, that makes no sense at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. The brand becomes more powerful the more people buy it. That the was more the original thing that Robert said to you. Exactly. Uh. Which, and, and I, you got to learn from everybody. And that was one of the things that I took from him. And it's like, I don't think exclusivity is always the best thing. I think it's like, if distributors had competition against each other. So if, you know, one a, you know distributor A and distributor B are selling the same product... And they want to. They should need to compete against each other to like offer the best customer service, offer the best price, offer the best education, because that's really as a salon owner or as an independent contractor, that's what you want. You want to have that. You don't want. You don't want to have to go somewhere where you're just forced to buy whatever they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, you know, it sounds like the manufacturers always want to have exclusivity in a salon. Like, no, you can only carry. Well, Aveda was one of the first to do that. Yeah. And then Paul Mitchell did that. And it, every manufacturer does that. And like you said, that they get um, they get kind of lazy. Um, but do they ever really offer us exclusivity where you can have the only one in a, in a, in a territory? I mean, like, they're going to sell to other salons, any salon that wants it. So, right. you know, how is it fair? Right. Yeah, and and it's interesting that you said monopoly too, because I, I feel like we gave up our. I, gave, I feel like that a lot of us hairdressers have given up, even recognizing stuff like that. Oh, this is the way business is done, so this is what the way we must do it, and and not even you know speaking up against that. Yeah, I don't even think like a lot of people coming out of school even know any different thing different. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I, I think it's fascinating. I mean, there's really two major distribution centers through this in this whole country. And they don't compete against each other. But how cool would it be if they had to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would change everything. Get the two monsters to, like, compete versus you have these lines, we have this line. All right. Yeah. No, you have, you, uh, uh, people in the Paul Mitchell community call you the governor. Why do they call you the governor? Oh, I don't... (laughs) (laughs) You know... (laughs) I heard you say this this weekend. Sometimes you have to jump off that cliff. Mm. And I think it was, I can't remember what year it was, 2002? Must have been 2002. Uh, 
I decided to jump off that cliff. And what happened was I, I kind of have this feeling about it, just like with distribution and mm-hmm. anything I'm ranting about. If you're going to complain about something, you better do yeah. something about it. Yeah. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. Do something about it. And <clears throat> at that point, I was kind of into um, a lot of, into like city politics and politics of, in governmental politics. And Jesse Ventura was our governor. <laughs> and he was, was our governor, and he was not going to run. He hadn't publicly said that yet, but from some of my guests who are in that inner circle, they had already told me that he wasn't going to run. There was the biggest, you know, and I saw a few things of where things were going, and I was just like, you know, I could sit here and piss and moan, as all day long and just feel totally cool about it or I could actually kind of like do something and so I decided insanely without any research without anything I jumped off that cliff and said I'm gonna run for governor so I decided to start getting endorsements and I went to um I talked to like I talked to the Republicans. I talked to the Democrats. I talked to the Independence Party. I talked to the Green Party. And I went in and I talked to everybody and told them all that I was running and that I was looking for their endorsements. Um, and then I ended up going um, and deciding that I was really going to mostly get the um, go for the Green Party endorsement because Independence Party were like, nope, you're n- we're never going to give you, we're going to give we're never going to give you our endorsement. We're only going to endorse Jesse Ventura. And I'm like, he's not going to run. They're like, yes, he is. I'm like, no. <laughs> okay, have fun. Of course, he did not run. Uh-huh. But, and then the Democrats were just funny. They were just like, and same with the Republicans. They're just like, uh, who are you? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, forget it. There was like not even a chance. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to go for the Green Party. I don't have a chance in hell. It's going to be entertaining. I'm going to learn something. And I did. And it was really cool. I um, ended up doing a couple of debates, which was really kind of fun to like debate against six other people. Uh, Would you say you were a master at it? Oh, God. A master? At, at debating? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was horrible. You're still not getting the joke. No. Oh, I'm a master braider. A master, no. a master braider. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah, okay. I was avoiding it. <laughs> I was avoiding it. Come okay. on. <laughs> just like a good politician. Skip over, ignore, move on. State your case. <laughs> Uh, uh, so master debating. Yeah, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> but I did do a few debates. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. You're killing me. <laughs> You're killing me. No. Uh, let's see. You actually told me yesterday that you that you had <laughs> that you had. Um, only really spent $25 on it. I did. I spent $25 on my campaign, and I got about 50 write-ins. Um, and I actually dropped out of the campaign about halfway through because um, when we first started the salon, I had three business partners, and I suddenly had one who decided that he um, 
was going to buy me and my other business partner out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's weird. It kind of outvoted. So Mm -hmm. we ended up, I had had deals with shit. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to deal with like home first. And then, so I was like, all right, I'm going to drop out. And I dropped out of the race and I didn't get the Green Party endorsement. Bummer. Um, (laughs) But at the end of it, I still got a bunch of votes. You know, it's like, I don't know. Actually, craziest thing happened about two months ago. I was in our St. Paul store and salon, and I was just happened to walk in. I was like checking some inventory, and this guy comes up to me. He's like, "Didn't you run for governor?" As <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him, like, "Yeah, it was a bad part of my life." And he's like, "No, I voted for you." And I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "I ran the debate at McAllister College," and I'm like. You did? He's like, yeah. He's like, you had good stuff to say. I liked it. It was original. It was cool. That's like, cool. That's, that's cool. awesome. Like, yeah. and you remember it? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and, and he still comes to our salon. He has ever since. I'm like, what's <laughs> that's it? Run for governor. Get new, bi- <laughs> get new business. Get new business. <laughs> get new business. Get in politics. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. So, um, another little uh, shift in, in conversation, and we're probably going to have to wrap it up here in a second, but I do want to ask you two more questions. Yeah. Um, I know you're really into music. Yeah. Um, I, I said this from Charlie not too long ago. Top 10 uh, bands in, like, like, in, like, you're stuck on a desert island. Top 10 bands that you'd have to have, you know, and let's say the record, top 10 records that you'd have to have on a desert island. Oh, God. Band. Well, first of all, records are really bad with me. I probably couldn't tell you a single song or album. I'll just stay with artists. Okay, artists? Okay, okay, we can do that. So I like a few... There's so many. Oh, man. Where do you start? Um, There's so many different genres. Mm -hmm. I can tell you this much. Who who were you talking about all weekend? (laughs) You were talking about... Riff Raff? Riff Raff. (laughs) Not on my list. (laughs) That's That's funny. I I just put that out Okay, okay. So he is negative one. Yeah, that's like negative one. Um, I would say my... God, this is... There's so many because I'm thinking old school and I'm thinking new school. I'll start with new. Okay. I'll start with some of my new um, favorite bands. Um... I really like this band called The Scanners. Okay. Um, I also like... Uh, oh, God, now I can't even think of the name of name of the band. We were just talking about them. Savages. Girl, Savages. Yeah, Love okay. the Savages. Okay. Um, I, basically, like anybody that pushes the limits a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a little old school. I really like Babes of Toyland, but mostly because I, just... I did most of their hair. Okay, and, okay. You know, yeah. it's my plug. No, mm-hmm. and, and just because I... I I kind of that's just like my style. Um, I really like Modest Mouse, especially their older albums. Okay, pre. Uh, um, who else? Okay, that's just three. No, you, you got, got four. You got four right now. I got four. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I can't even count. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Willie Nelson. Okay. Yeah. I love Willie Nelson because it's just like it's happy, it's awesome, and uh, actually. Finally, for the very first time in my life, got to see him. Okay. Um, pretty pretty rocking. Mm-hmm. Who else? Um, 
Gotta throw a little cheese in there. So we're gonna go scorpions. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I like scorpions. Um, <clears throat> I like the Sex Pistols. I love the Monks. I was hoping you'd say the Monks. Yeah. I'm hoping you'd say they're the like monks. one of the bands I have to put on. Mm. Of course, I love Van Hagar. Obviously. Oh, do you really? No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I had to say that since I pulled the album out of the collection the other yeah, day. Yeah, and I almost threw up on it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, let's see. Yeah, Van Hagar. So you have two, two left. Two left. Two left. Um, Fleetwood Mac. Okay. And if I have to choose one other, uh, I'm going to go with either, I'm going to give you two. Okay. They're local boys. So I have to do that. Replacements. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I have to hit Husker Du. I know they're not your favorite. Sure, sure. But they're, I really like them. Awesome. Cool. And the last question. And I love, okay, so the last question, my favorite question that I like to ask all of the guests, just because it kind of lets us know who you are. Um, but what sort of animal do you identify with the most and why? Not necessarily do you want or do you have, but what sort of animal um, do you identify with? I'm going to say an eagle. Okay, why? Because their wings spanned as huge. Okay. They catch a lot of air. They get to see the world from every aspect, from above, down low, and they have a keen eyesight so they can see everything around them. So they can capture their prey. They're in the water. I mean, they, like, they can find fish in the water. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Phew. I just think they're powerful and um, incredibly beautiful and at the same time just... Um, Magnificent. Okay. Okay, cool. I thought you were going to say some Don Henley in you one there or something like that. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, Stephen, it was great hanging out with you. Yeah. I'm going to call you the governor from now on. I didn't even bring up the Wet Willie contest. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I, know, I know. It was a really bad weekend here, and guess who was in one? <laughs> awesome, Stephen. It was great. All right. Love you, man. Yeah. This was recorded about three years ago in the home of Stephen Adams by Ryan Teal. This was our first podcast, per se. Um, Before we started the whole, a super really important podcast about hair, question mark. So, we just wanted to give you a little intro of who we are. And then hopefully, we will get you into the next episode. All right, guys. Until next week.